And I can't find a seconder usually when I prepare this, but I don't care. I don't need a seconder. My own opinion is enough for me, and I claim the right to be defended against any consensus, any majority, anywhere, any place, any time. Anyone who disagrees with this, pick a number, get online, and kiss my ass. First things first, Alabama State Bar Rules of Professional Conduct, Rule 7.2e, requires the following language in all attorney communications. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed by other lawyers. I'm Harry Steele, Backwood Southern Lawyer. My partner in crime, Paul Ripp, is here. Um, Reigns Rushing is joining us from Houston, Texas. Shout out, Reigns. Yep. Yep. And uh, one more time, wanted to remind everybody that I have moved my office to Daphne, Alabama, the Van Buren building, 28720 Highway 98, Suite 3, Daphne. So, uh, how's everybody doing today? Good. Number 19. Number 19. So, um, I've been in the public sector since 1997, and I have written over 30 ethics complaints. talked about corruption at least a hundred times with three different district attorneys in my career and have reported uh, this corruption um, many, many times to the, uh, matter of fact, even the attorney general falls into that category. Um, So I'm hoping that 18 episodes in, uh, you guys realize that I'm not running for anything. I'm not doing this for any kind of profit. Um, we're taking you on a ride so that you can look over our shoulders. We're going to tell you about things like inexplicable decisions made in courtrooms, um, what we believe are uh, corrupt or illegal activities. We're going to share this with you. We're going to write ethics commission complaints, judicial inquiry commission complaints, potentially even bar complaints. And um, we're going to let you in on the responses. We're going to let you know what the, what the uh, Alabama Supreme Court or the appeals court say about these crazy decisions being made in in uh, the in in these certain courtrooms, and uh, you know after a year of this, if you're still voting the same way, well then shame on you. And I don't mean Democrat or Republican, don't mean that at all. Uh, so that's why I'm doing this. Why are you doing this, Paul? Uh, I'm a consumer group. I started in '05. My father had a the first Alabama Consumer Association uh, in Birmingham. He started that in the late 70s. And I've been personally involved in uh, the RIP report since 05 and mostly focusing on uh, corruption but consumer issues. Again, I'm not being paid. It's a nonprofit. I'm trying to educate the general public on what's going on, literally backstory, what the backstory is of what you may see. We have very, very limited uh, uh, news. If it weren't for Lanyap, we wouldn't have a bloody thing that we could read. So uh, with the RIP report, uh, in 05, we started out just handing out stuff, and then we went to social media in about uh, uh, 2016. So you can go back on the RIP report and look at issues from 2016 up. We also have Baldwin County Legal Legal. We have a dot com, ripreport.com, and, of course, we have the Backstory uh, podcast. And, Reigns, you're doing this because you're the only journalist I know with an IQ over 130, and um, and you're my buddy, right? 
and you used well, yeah, to, I mean, and, you, and you've been what, and you've had an eye on this kind of shit as long as I have. We've talked about it for thirty oh, years. I've uh, I've always been a proponent of shining a light on the darker corners of government, be it federal, state, or municipal. But uh, a lot of people don't know this about me. I'll give you a little factoid. I was actually born in Alabama, so I'm a uh, native. Was son it in a, of that was in a box car? Is this a country song no, I hear oh, coming? No, uh, no, my uh, my parents just couldn't resist it. And when my father rotated back to Vietnam, he was up there in Montgomery. And nine months later, to the day, I popped out and hooray, victory, kind <laughs> of. Well, so I want. I was born like, born like four days after the embassy fell. So <laughs> wow, wow. Yeah, Paul was there. Yep. So, so last time we were here, uh, was kicking off our first topic, Paul uh, chronicled a portion of a letter that we got at, uh, detailing corruption at Coastal Alabama Community College in the two-year college system. That is on our Facebook page. I encourage you to go read it. Um, but the excerpt that I'm going to be talking about is page two, paragraph two, and it claims that the chancellor is being investigated by the Southern Association of Schools and Colleges and Schools. That's the SACS uh, Accreditation uh, Governance Board. Uh, they're looking into his interference with the governor governance at Coastal. And the allegations are that he is the de facto president. He's still making day-to-day decisions about policy, staff, finances. And if you'll recall, we talk, we, we're, we're still trying to find out where the hell all this money went that was supposed to be coming to South Alabama so that we would have a police academy. The Southwest Alabama Police Academy was shut down because of corruption, allegedly. I've, I've looked through, I've read all the transcripts of the trial there was a violation of the public bid law. I've never heard of closing down an entire instructional facility over something like that. And then, of course, it looks like the APOS board has taken over all three of the former independent uh, colleges. Uh, there was one in Tuscaloosa that they took down, then the Jacksonville they took down, and then Swapa down here. So now all that money's going to the APOC board, apparently, and they are running the, the institutions. They've taken them over, which was never their mandate. They were supposed to. It is the Alabama police officer, what is it, uh, peace officer standards commission. Mm-hmm. So you got to be able to shoot a gun, you know, and you got to know these certain regulations, and how do we teach you that? That's what they're supposed to be doing, not running a bunch of schools. So we'll circle back to that. Please go check check this out. This is happening right here, is apparently all across the state, and if uh, this what seems to be a well-placed source, probably somebody with a Ph.D., definitely somebody with access to a whole lot of budget information, wouldn't you say, Reigns? You've seen this letter. No, Say after reading that letter, I wouldn't say that the person that wrote it has a PhD in anything. I think the person <laughs> that wrote that letter uh, might, needs to go back and retake the English grammar one hundred and one. Well, that's another that's another hint to who it might be. It ain't the, it ain't the, the dean of uh, literature, right? No, it's definitely not that. It is intriguing, though. I guess because uh, again, I come from a a bit of a spoiled background. I attended the Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Over oh, that's much. That's a much more refined place than Faulkner. 
<laughs> well, I'm here to tell you they they're run their board of regents and that that college is run extremely well and it's a it's a landmark program for many community colleges throughout the nation. I'm a graduate. I have an associate degree from Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. And I can't say anything bad about my experience or the stewardship of it, which is something I've paid attention to over the years as alum. And reading that letter and going and looking at the background on the particular case, I'm a little bit just shocked. And it's hard to shock me, believe me. Uh, I, I subscribed sure. to Hustler Magazine for 10 years, so it's hard to shock me. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you, reading that letter, it was a bit shocking. You know, where, where is the ship? Where is the Board of Higher Education in the state of Alabama? Why are there private entities having to take this over? Why isn't the Attorney General involved? This is extreme. Well, extreme I, manipulation and misappropriation of these allegations are not true. Well, we're going to keep pulling at that thread, that's for sure. And um, like I said, I went down there. I met with the new president. I told him what all we heard was going on, that we expected him to – right the ship and um you know and then three months later here comes another anonymous letter alleging more salacious things than we'd heard the first time so um all right paul i want to i want to switch gears um we're going to do a mini rip report <clears throat> catalyst candidates the like well on the uh rip report those of you that are not familiar with it it's on uh facebook uh usually wonderful wednesday and Freaky Friday, try to get out two a week. Uh, it's been a little difficult with these uh, VA issues I've had and, and uh, going back and forth to Birmingham, but thank God that's over with. The last uh, wonderful Wednesday that was January 22nd, and uh, it was called Congressional Catalyst. Uh, the Alabama 1st Congressional District has five Republican candidates that are vying to fill uh, Bradley Burns' seat, and that's uh, Chris Pringle, Wes Lambert, Bill Hightower, John Castanori, I hope I got that right, John, and Jerry Carl. Uh, and the point that we find interesting here is a lot of people are very, very familiar of Catalyst, and they should be very concerned uh as rips rips made it a curse word in bowen county <laughs> well it is a curse word so catalyst is backing someone for uh congress which is scary because uh if you go in for catalyst and you owe catalyst let me tell you uh on the rip report now a lot of times what we do is link uh, articles that have been written in the past so you can go back and look at what was written back then compare it till today and it'll tell you quite a bit uh the catalyst candidate uh that uh is in uh, baldwin county would be uh, mr bill hightower and he signed up with catalyst and catalyst is pushing him and mr hightower has pretty good connections with uh the late um, not the late, but the uh, past senator, uh, Boom Boom Pittman, if any of you remember him, and the BP scandal. And um, also, uh, he's advertising on Judge uh, Snedeker, the developer's land. Uh, so, you know. Hey, let, let's be specific about that. All right. The Hightower stuff is on, <laughs> is at the corner of 181 and Fairhope Avenue, which is the... That's Clump Pud. Correct. Clump Pud. It's on that property. Correct. That's the one that uh, the city council approved uh, that the judge had 
that's in the same city as the judge is appointed. So see a lot of conflicts of interest there. But anyway, if you see that they're a catalyst candidate, I assure you, you better look very close because catalyst candidates that we've seen have not been uh, putting your interest uh, at heart. Uh, you want to go to surplus property? Yeah, surplus properties. Um, I know you guys think I pick on Jack Burrell sometimes, but I mean it's so easy to do. I tell you, uh, he keeps reloading the magazine for you. Correct, correct. You know, last week we spoke about the clock and paying a little bit more than a half a million dollars for the clock and Fairhope. And now, now Reigns, chime in on this, dude. They paid fifteen hundred dollars for the sidewalk. No, I'm I'm sorry. They paid five hundred and thirty thousand dollars for fifteen hundred square feet at the intersection of Fairhope Avenue and Section Street, which is where the little backlit clock is that's in all the photographs you see of Fairhope. And yeah, and and the clock was put unbelievable. There, yeah, the clock was put there in nineteen eighty nine. It's not like it's been there a hundred years, but the backstory to that is on the clock is that that piece of property, that little patio there, which I think is a valuable asset to citizens of Pharaoh, everybody thought that the city already owned it. And two times in past administrations that came up to purchase, I think it was about 200, 250,000 at the time and city council didn't purchase it. So then this city council exacerbated it by, you know, uh, threatening and telling the developer what he could do and what he couldn't do. So the end result is they end up buying this for 525000 and Mr. Burrell and them are claiming that they're the great negotiators. Now, what comes next is the um, recreation land that they bought for 265 I mean, $2.65 million. That was Boone, Burrell, and uh, Brown that were responsible for the purchase of that. And what's disturbing about that is in October, there was a meeting uh, concerning this property and another piece of property in Fairhope that they were looking at rec land. And uh, so people got up and spoke to the issue of both. Uh, In that meeting, the council said, well, what we're going to do is get an appraisal on this piece of property. And everybody said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're going to get an appraisal? It's an appraisal. We're not going to purchase this. It's just going to be an appraisal. So a couple months goes by, the appraisal comes back, the three city councilmen push it through. I'm talking now we're talking about from October, this is only January. So they push it through. Then after they push it through, they close on the property before the end of the year. Now, within 2 weeks of closing on 2.65 million dollars worth of property, Mr. Burrell, the great negotiator, item number 6, on the January uh, 13th meeting, uh, the ordinance. The ordinance reads as such. An ordinance to declare that certain real property, 105 farmable acres of the city of Fairhope, is temporarily designated surplus and not needed for public or municipal purposes. In response to an offer to lease property yearly from January 1 to December 31 for one year with four-year options. So what they did was they bought the property, they closed on it within two weeks, and within two weeks after closing on $2.65 million worth of property, they lease it to a farmer to farm for $9,000 a year. 
You can't live in an apartment for $9,000 a year, but you can get 105 designated surplus property that's not needed for public or municipal purposes. Think of that. They're saying it's for rec land, and two weeks later they're saying it's surplus and it's not needed. Now, I know that, that cities will do things like this, but it's generally property that's been vacant for quite some time. It's not property that they acquire and then they lease out immediately again. And this purchase this purchase was done uh, as a basis. They had a um, an appraisal that's very, very questionable. Bogus is what one appraiser uh, told me and said it wouldn't hold up in court, where they compared the land values to sales in the area and property that hadn't even sold. So, uh, you know, the whole thing stinks. Now we're sitting on... $2.65 million worth of farmland that we are leasing for 9000 a year. Tell me that's negotiating. All right. Let's get, let's get into the guts of the, of the podcast. So the last time we were here and, and you know, we, we rely a good bit or Paul does on the, on the land yap articles for our podcast, um, seeing it's the only local news that we have to rely on, except for what we know personally and dig up on our own or someone sends us. So the land yap uh, went to press last week. And of course, Paul was sitting here blowing sunshine bubbles, rainbow bubbles saying that, Hey, the land yap won the motion to quash hearing. And I was going, what in the hell are you talking about? They didn't win anything. Right. So apparently they read one, their motion to quash and thought they had uh, won and went to press. And so what you were relying on and what I was looking at were two different things. Correct. Now, now they have come out with a, um, I don't even know how much I'm going to be able to comment on this. Um, a couple of articles that are pretty, pretty dang uh, rough on the judge, I'll have to say. Um, and I guess I'm going to just let you take it over, Paul, and, and tell folks what uh, the Lanyap's position on this, and, and I'll talk about it in a minute. Well, basically, uh, this is the same case, ladies and gentlemen, that we're talking about where uh, uh, Paula Donardi got knocked off a bar stool by the uh, Fairhope uh, bar owner, Ronan McSherry. And uh, they have, the attorney, James Pittman, has tried to just suck us all into this thing where when we have absolutely nothing to do with it, the mayor, myself, Harry, and um, it's just gone from one thing to the other. So now we're now we're in front of the judge, and there the judge has concluded that published information would be considered privilege. But he ordered the paper to turn over all materials and/or documents and/or requested communications that were not published. And I mean, we're I'm, I'm looking at God knows what's going to happen on this now because. Uh, I don't suspect Lanyap is just going to roll over on this. But uh, James Pittman, the attorney, uh, and that's uh, Senator, former Senator Boom Boom Pittman's brother, uh, that shield laws uh, protect the disclosure of sources, but not the information they provide. Pittman has claimed he knows who Lanyap's sources are, but is seeking communications with people he believes have got it in for Mr. McSherry. This is about as weak as you can get. So, Rains, last time we were here, I read some 
some of the rules of evidence. And one of the first foundational rules of evidence is that evidence must be relevant. Okay. And I read the definition and went through all that. So, and, and just follow me here. Okay. Even if there is a conspiracy to maliciously prosecute this guy who we've all watched the video over and over again of him knocking this woman off the bar stool. How in the world is that in any way relevant to her claim against him for busting her head open when she hit the floor? Right. How, how can that be relevant at all in this case? Period. Now, first oh, of all, first of all, the privilege that I was looking to quash is not my privilege. I don't have any privileges. Paul Rip is my as my client has a privilege, and he did not waive it. Ms. Denardi, as my client at one time, did not waive it. The shield law is the Lanyaps, right? It, 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 it's their shield. So subpoenaing me, saying I want all your communications with the Lanyap, is just another way of going around the shield law. I mean, we're talking basic well, it, First Amendment protection stuff. Like well, first day no, of law not. school. No, you're not. That's the problem with Alabama shield law. It protects <clears throat> the Alabama shield for sources law protects the disclosure of sources where no one can be compelled to reveal who their sources are. It in no way protects the information garnered from said source. And that's workaround for the Alabama shield law. They can subpoena the information and they can be granted the subpoena, the, that subpoena. And any motion to quash can be summarily denied because if they're just asking for the information, not to be, not to reveal the source of the information, that can still be complained of the record. Dude, when they contact me and say, we want your communication with the land app, it's land land app is the only one who can say whether they used any maybe maybe I am a source, maybe I'm not, but it's their privilege to say if I am or not. Do Under you understand law, that hair has to be split by the land app? It can't be split by the judge, it can't be split by me, it can't be split by Pittman. It's their privilege. You need to go back and look at some case law. Up in Colbert County. In 2004, State v. Powers, um, that court case will pretty much explain what I'm talking about. But okay, but you're in, missing. Uh, you're you're talking around me, dude. You're not talking on the same subject I am. That's what I'm saying. Well, so so let me give you another example. So remember uh, Mike Price? Does anybody remember the, yeah. the the coach or whatever? So the shield law was used to shield Mike Price. Shielded him as a source, but it doesn't shield the information they provide. That's the workaround. If you support the information that was provided by a source in a relevant court of law, that can be subpoenaed. But the, the information, information, I agree with you, but this sort, but getting it from me saying, did you ever communicate with Lanyap? Well, let us see what it is, and we'll de I'll determine as the judge whether it's shielded or not. He doesn't get to make that decision. 
The legislature put a check on the courts when it comes to the First Amendment, and you have to follow it. And the reason there's no damn law on it is that we've treated it like it's scripture. Nobody's ever pulled at the threads of this shield law before. I, and, if you, and if you do have some case law on it, I'm sure that it says what you say it says, but I'm saying that is not my argument. Well, also, this this is uh, the article. You know, again, I want to remind everybody, we're, we're I'm picking parts out of these articles. I can't read the whole thing, so I suggest you get the lanyard to fill in the gaps on the articles that may interest you. This is an absolute privilege. Uh, judge's ruling would compel lanyard to provide communications with sources. Now, this is by Jason Johnson. And last year... Uh, uh, Denardi's attorney, David McDonald, filed a petition with the state's high court requesting a review of some of Stankowski's previous decisions in the case that seemed to be out of the ordinary. The court agreed to uh, uh, look at it, and I don't think there's uh, been um, any decision on that yet. Now, um, Ms. Denardi's criminal case is coming up on Monday. And I am going to give the prediction that something will happen on Monday that will prevent it from going any further. So, Paul, or or to another date or something of that nature. So, so all appeals de novo from municipal courts are all heard by Judge Norton. I've never had a municipal appeal heard by anybody else. Now, it is set for Monday. But they've made they filed a motion to have everything moved to Judge Stankowski's court, which you know I, I I look at all of the contributing factors in the case with Stankowski and the complaints and uh, Pittman and everything, and I, I I don't see that how there could not be some conflicts of interest with him hearing uh, the criminal portion. Now there's another article, "Damn the Torpedoes," written by the editor Rob Holbert judicial power run amok in Baldwin. Now, this is the same issue. And remember, they're dragging, when I say they're, Mr. Pittman is the one dragging Lanyap and us into it. So he's getting all this extra press from us, which I'm cons- I think he probably considers negative, but this is something that he has inspired, okay? And um, uh, Mr. Holbert's, article takes on a little bit more explanation on what is going on. And he says, so now in the courtroom, at least it's okay to subpoena media outlets to see who we've been talking to. If the information hasn't been used yet in a story, let that sink in. It's okay to subpoena information we haven't used or published yet. Okay. Well, that'll make you think. And there's one other thing. Stankowski's brother also an attorney, sent a letter three years ago threatening to sue Lanyap for recovering then County Commissioner Chris Elliott's DUI arrest. Any of us? Do we have around? sad face picture of Commissioner <clears throat> Taxman Elliott? Uh-huh. That's just, no. Those of you that remember Mr. We Elliott. We need to keep that thing handy to throw up. <laughs> Mr. Elliott was going to, uh, you know, fall on the sword and take all his responsibilities, and he didn't do anything. He didn't even get his license revoked. Does right. anybody remember that little... Two-step. Right. Let us get a DUI and see how we can. Well, uh, uh, Lanyap reported Elliott's efforts to use his political position as a means of obtaining a 45-day license suspension instead of the standard 
90 days. So, Reigns, let me tell you this. If you work for Baldwin County and you have a vehicle assigned to you and you get a DUI, you know what happens to you under their the terms of your employment when you sign up in the little handbook? You are what? fired upon conviction if you're a county employee. Right. Right. Isn't that how that... That thing happened with uh, no dean, no dine started out that way. They found a joint in the car. His well, they were no that idiot took his truck to the county yeah. shop to have it worked on, and they found a bunch of marijuana and pills and shit in the console of the truck or oh, in the ashtray oh, or something. Always take that stuff out before you go in there and have it clean. Let me, uh, uh, please let me circle this up. back. All right, let me let me this back. First and foremost. Backstory Podcast, we're here to tell you about issues that are going on. I know sometimes we we sometimes tend to get into Barber College Law Review where we're dissecting case law and things like that and rules of evidence, but let's bottom line it. You have a clear-cut case of assault against an individual. This person, there is video of a person committing assault, and for some reason, your courts, your courts – are focusing on First Amendment rights as guaranteed by the Constitution and trying to drag the Alabama shield law into who says what and where information comes from. It is absolute and total abuse of the system in place to protect freedoms. This is a clear-cut assault case, and it's being manipulated by people. Right, right. So people in power in money, in your back. That sort of stuff is why we're here. Not necessary to argue law, not necessary to argue uh, case reviews and and rules of evidence and everything else. What we're here to do is shine a light on what's happening in your backyard. Two, what if two, two people who are sitting here right now. This isn't like this what is happening to somebody we know. Two people that are on this podcast to testify in a clear-cut assault case. What if that was your mother he knocked off that bar stool? You think you'd put up with all this wrangling in the courts? I'd be in jail. Changes of venue and everything else? Hell no. This is to shine a light on what's happening right now. And and this also this also and goes. You need, to, you need to show So let's uh let, let's let Paul finish this up for us. All right, all right. So you know this this goes back to what. Uh, I've been seeing all along as a conflict of interest between attorneys and judges and people handling these cases and these cases going to judges that uh, maybe should recuse themselves. No one hardly recuses themselves here unless they're pressed to recuse themselves. Uh, you know, we had the uh, conflict of interest written about uh, uh, Judge Norton where uh, in September, Norton recused to separate from a year-old fraud case in which his former law partner, Brian Britt, was representing the defendants. Norton's statements of economic interest on file with the Alabama Ethics Commission reported income from referral fees ranging from 10000 50000 50000 150 This goes all the way through 118 uh, Britt later explained that the payments were matters that were referred to another firm during the time of their relationship. So he's entitled to his share of those fees. Now, here's a kicker. Neither Norton nor Britt have detailed which case or cases were referred to or which firm handled that. 
the documents uh, in reference to the straw man in this case and everything else have been by Lanyap put on a uh, compiled online site, which is lanyapmobile.com slash series slash BCSS. Now, we encourage people to write us a letter. That's how we got the letter on the college. And uh, here's a letter that I just got uh, making um, these allegations. Hey, I want to I want to ask a, okay. a hypothetical question related to this Macheri case. All right. Um, who does Donald Trump hate more than Rosie O'Donnell? Adam it's Pierce. a riddle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Reigns, do you know? And I ain't even speculating on that. Piece. The press. He hates the damn press. So if you want to get somebody's attention, how would you do it? Well, you know, to that point, and I'm not saying we're full-blown press, but to that point. Oh, I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about getting Trump's attention. Well, I know, but the one thing that I do want to point out. Pick on out, the press. It, it seems like the podcast is getting uh, quite a bit of attention in certain areas uh, because – you know, it's a verbal thing. It's not a reading thing, and uh, we're hitting another group of folks. But what I wanted to go back to is I did get this letter dated January 20th, 2020, to whom it may concern, and uh, these are allegations set forth. Uh, this is in reference to the uh, wharf and lawsuits and the wharf, and it's like a revolving uh, door down there, tenants that come in and out and everything else. So there's definitely a problem going on. But uh, it reads, we the people need help in the Baldwin County Circuit Division. There is widespread corruption that is reflecting the abuse. This was sent to Fox News, by the way, that is reflecting the abuse of judges. I myself am a victim and fighting the system to the Supreme Court of Alabama. But I can assure you they are going too far, and there is no one in the state doing anything to stop corruption. Oh, we will attest to that. The latest is the violation of freedom of the press. I assure you that they will proceed to even execute jail time if this news media does not give them what they want. Look at the story. This is only one small piece of the judicial corruption in the county court system, and she's referring to the judge's ruling would compel Lanyap to provide unpublished communications. Baldwin County Circuit Court Judge Clark Stankowski ordered Lanyap to turn over unpublished communications with protected sources Tuesday, ruling that all materials and or documents and or requested communications that were not published Broadcast or televised are not subject to protection by the Alabama Shield Law. Three judges who have openly demonstrated judicial abuse in our case, allegedly this is again, uh, Judge Joe Norton, Judge Clark Stankowski, and Judge Jody Bishop. I can show you direct violations of judicial abuse of power, money, kickbacks on paper, pictures of judges with plaintiffs at gatherings, real estate transactions while proceeding over court cases and never recusing themselves, attorneys on, re on recording telling me that I am not from there. That's a good old boy system. It's unreal. I am not from there and would never imagine in a million years what my family has endured just by opening a business with a realtor who lied to us and so many other people. 
I put my faith in the court system to rectify the situation, and what happened next is beyond any nightmare imaginable. I have pages of information, but the news outlet is now and but the news outlet is now reporting it, and no surprise that they will want it hushed. Thank you for your time. Please look into this. People need to know, and we need the people to be aware. Shirley Leffner, and like I said, uh, uh, this is in reference to the Lanyap article as well as uh, her experiences, and that's her in allegations. And her allegations fit right in with uh, what we've been talking about and the uh, conflict of interest uh, that seems to crop up, be it attorneys uh, or judges. All right, so you were talking about people who are responsible for prosecuting these types of issues that we're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about our attorney general and his his responsibility to prosecute corruption. Uh, You know, I don't really have a position on the on the marijuana issue until it's a federal law. It doesn't really matter to me personally. He's probably wrong on the pot issue, though, right? I mean, we kind of kicked him, kicked the man while he was down on that. Um, So now he's been named as one of AL.com's most corrupt elected officials of the of the decade of the 2010s. Um, So remember, we had Governor Bentley, who was uh, making time with one of his staff members, right? And Senator Sessions was tapped to become the Attorney General of the United States, leaving creating a vacancy. So Bentley appoints Strange to that Senate seat, assuring that he won't prosecute him. And then he's got to go find somebody willing to serve as Attorney General who will agree not to prosecute Governor Bentley, right? Right. So that's who he found. And then, you know, so so he's a he's appointed and then he that's what we were confused about, Paul. He ran this last time to defend the seat he was appointed to, and that's when his wife killed herself, uh, and allegedly she was on, you know, it was over an opioid uh, addiction. Right. But or he, that's what he, I've read. Yeah, but he also stepped out as, long, as well as uh, uh, his pick for the white-collar crime and saying that uh, – he was going to investigate corruption and uh, well what's the first thing he did he fired matt hart's ass and matt hart was the only one with the guts to go after the speaker of the house hey let me ask you a question is that guy in jail yet nope still out (laughs) think so still out i didn't think so well that kind of what you're talking about leads into the uh uh cover uh article 2020 legislative uh preview Preview, Baldwin lawmakers seek to influence gambling, prison proposals, and more. And this is written by Gabe Time, uh, Lanyap, and they cover the prisons, mental mental health care, gambling, lottery, medical marijuana, and the uh, grocery tax. What's funny is, is almost everything in this article we've already talked about except for the grocery tax, right? <coughs> I mean, well, we got people pretty much up to speed on the proposals. Uh, correct, correct. And the, uh, but with the medical marijuana, uh, uh, the medical marijuana really 
needs to be looked at now well, it, so did that commission come back with a recommendation i know marshall came out and said i don't care what they recommend you shouldn't do it i have concerns that's the cannabis study commission yeah uh, and which w- was established and tasked with making recommendations i mean this is what they were supposed to do and let me let me make a point to people you know you think the uh, the our legislators and everything when they come up let's say they're talking about medical marijuana um and they say, well, we need to do a little bit more research or, or we need to look at this or we need to ask this question. This has already been asked. There's 36 states that have this type of legislation. So when you go to look at something like this, it's, it's not like you're trying to reinvent the wheel. You've got tons of information out there. And now we have an Alabama Cannabis Industry Association and a lobbyist, Che Garrigan, who is uh, representing the medical marijuana and I believe also the uh, hemp industry uh, because hemp is coming back on. And so hopefully they'll start looking at that. But uh, the medical marijuana is is going to come about. I mean, it, it's, it's going to happen. And the thing that bugs me is the deal with the veterans because I've spent a lot of time in veterans' hospitals. I've heard the opinions of doctors there uh, categorically say that uh, they knew that it helped. In fact, in this uh, one article, the article here on the legislative preview, uh, Senator uh, Elliott said that he voted for the bill the first time but was back on the fence. Boy, I tell you what, you could have that tattoo, back on the fence, because that's where he is most time, with the commission's report. Now, here's what I thought was very telling. This is Mr. Elliott speaking. My wife just got through with some pretty nasty cancer therapy herself, and I can see firsthand how folks can benefit from something like that. Well, to me, he's admitting that his wife used medical marijuana, and God bless her, she should have. My wife did the same thing, and she needed it, and it helped. But how in the world can you say something like that and then be in opposition to it? It makes no sense. And to compare it with opioid use is, like, archaic. I mean, that's, that's like, so far back in the conversation that we can't even speak about it. Uh, but that's on the... Medical marijuana, another thing that's up is the grocery tax, and they've been talking about this uh, quite some time. It's 400 to $500 million a year that comes in in uh, grocery tax. And the Alabama arrives. The absolute most regressive tax you can possibly have on poor people. Well, Alabama arrives, a nonprofit, nonpartisan coalition of congregations, organizations, and individuals promoting public policies to improve the lives of Alabamians with low incomes is also promoting the grocery tax abolition. The proposal, however, to end the full federal income tax, FIT, deduction for the top 1% of earners, which would eliminate the grocery tax and still leave funding to address the other critical uh, issues. By untaxing the groceries and ending the FIT donations, lawmakers can make Alabama tax system more equitable for everyone. Alabama Arise Executive Director Robin Hayden said in a news release last year, they can strengthen state support for K-2, higher education, and they can make it easier for struggling families to put food on the table. 
this is an opportunity to make the life better for everyone in the state and is nowhere near as controversial as medical marijuana, the gambling, or the prisons. We have a video. Is that thing queued up and ready to go? About a, uh, I guess she's a murder victim here in Baldwin County. So let's play that, and when we come back, we'll talk about it just a little bit. Go for it. On December 15th at this home, the shooting on December 15th at this home changed the lives of everyone in Dominique Marshall's family. My mind was like numb, and all I can do is just, just pray, and really just pray for my family because they was hurt also. She grew up in Baymanette, and her father says she wanted to be a dental hygienist. She was the calming presence for the whole family. Dominique, she really changed my life a whole lot, and she taught me how to, to really be humble. She was very humble and very obedient. With so many people who were at that house party, Dominique Marshall's father says there are still more people that need to talk to law enforcement about what happened. You know, a lot of people out that was at the party, they even know somebody there or they know someone or they all know each other. Marshall says he met with deputies this month and while he says he can't talk about details, he says he's not frustrated with no arrests so far. It's just a slow process and it's a reason why it's a slow process, but they are doing their job and best believe justice will be served. Justice for Dominique and the two-year-old son she leaves behind. In Baymanette, Chad Petrie, WKRG News 5. All right, so the victim of this house party shooting was a young lady named Dominic Marshall. This was over a month ago. It's my understanding that the sheriff's major crimes unit, the MCU, um, has been assigned, and, of course, there are no arrests. You, you heard from the father there. So uh, let's back up a second and talk about some of the other issues that are still on the table in the legislature. Now, we've covered these before, but I think we just want to give you a, a refresher on them. So right now, um, we are under federal court order to do something about our prison system, Paul. Right. So what what's, what's the legislative fix for this? <clears throat> well, uh Prisons and mental health care, 900 million project is being proposed to build and manage a for-profit. For-profit means you need prisoners, people. For-profit in the state, the Alabama Department of Corrections currently manages several aging and decrepit prisons built with a capacity of a little bit more than 12,000. Agreed. While the state is also under the threat of a lawsuit which is way past due, it could be hit with this anytime, by the U.S. Department of Justice for allegedly violating the Constitution rights of more than 27,000 inmates. Uh, Why? Because they got beat up and raped and well, the conditions kept in are, inhumane conditions. The and- conditions are, are just really super super poor and you know the state's behind and just about everything else in the prisons were the last thing and to keep throwing people in prison for some things that should be considered a mistake rather than a misdemeanor uh state rep matt sensum a former prosecutor in bowen county district attorney office has proposed a bill establishing a mental health court now these courts are uh in different parts of the state and 
these are under review by them, uh, studies have shown that if you spend a dollar on mental health, when you catch offenders on low-level offenses, you can save $6.75 on the back end. Think about that, folks. Uh, Simpson's plan uh, is, uh, here's what I thought was real interesting, too. You know, we're just talking about medical marijuana and this and the benefits of that. We're going to get in the lottery in a minute. But Simpson's current plan is to fund the court by by placing a 10% sales tax on vaping. The the CBD and hemp products so that the legislator would have to pass a constitutional amendment to do that. Isn't it funny how immediately we find a way to, you know, come up with a tax, and this is a sin tax. This is what you, for lack of a better term, you could call a sin tax. Every time you go buy a playing card or something like that, there's a tax on them. Well, the, Little did you know. You know, jumping, jumping back just for a second, the uh, Educational Trust Fund, the Alabama Educational Trust Fund, now, Mr. Elliott, uh, one of the things that he's proposing is to maybe using that uh, educational uh, trust fund to fund or to supplement the grocery tax. <laughs> well, so, they're they going to have to get money from somewhere. They well, just can't repeal the damn grocery tax. I know, but leave education alone. Leave it alone. Paul, that's they a, rob they everything. Got, they got an extra $500 million in the education fund. They're going to get that damn money, Well, then they're they going to spend it. it just as fast as they can. Then they will. On anything but education. Uh, uh, true, true. And now they're, now they're being dangled in front of them now. It's a billion dollars, and they're in just a, a full mode as to how they can get their hands on that. So you want to get into that? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's the gambling um, winning lottery. Winning you know. for Alabama, and if you live in Alabama, you got a damn something in the mail a few days ago. Did you get one, Paul? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, a flyer oh, yeah. telling you but, about uh, how great an idea it was. The people that I've been talking to in um, Montgomery are saying that the legislators are just looking at this with their you know, mouths open and drooling. And the thing that upsets me the most about the, I mean, it's a, it's a billion dollars. They're looking at a billion dollars. What aggravates me is that what I can't remember is how many years it's been since we've been talking about a lottery. Alabama has nothing. They go right back to saying, oh, well, we're going to study this or we're going to do this. We can't have a lottery. The Indians are stepping up and offering them a billion dollars. This is the back door, easy well, way. bull crap, because we don't need the Indians to do any of this stuff. Then come we could up have with a lottery. Something. We could have a gaming commission. We could have table gambling, all that. This is what I don't understand. Look, look. Why is it an emergency right now? Correct. And, and again, like I it's told not. you a minute ago about uh, – these uh, lobbyists, Alabama, I mean, uh, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, and Mississippi all have lotteries. So if we want a lottery, go to a computer, punch up what the hell they did in legislature in one of those states and pick one and have a lottery. That's all you have to do. But if you designate money out of that lottery for education, keep your damn hands off of it. All right. Range, you still with us? Yeah, you know, let me uh, let me go store my community up the street. I live off uh, US sign here, K 
Kingwood, Texas, and just up the street from me is a little town called Patton Village. And Patton Village is an exit community. They're just paying an exit. What's on either side of the highway? 85%. Dude, you're, city you're breaking up too much. I can't hear you. Yeah, I don't know why you're breaking up. What's range. going on with that thing? So, um, actually, one of the things I want to talk to you about, Reigns, was the red flag gun law in Virginia. Any ideas about I think we lost him. Yeah. Okay. So, in Virginia, they have passed a law where, I guess, if you're a dangerous person or someone avers it, they can make you surrender your firearms, kind of like a like a hearing that you would have right. if you were being involuntarily committed. And I guess that's what all those people loaded up and headed out that way for uh, on Monday. Um, I don't think they had the kind of trouble that th- they thought they were going to have, but that might have been because of the state of emergency and the number of people who were there. Um, another thing I wanted to tell you about is uh, in a lot of states, if you are HIV positive, um you have to tell the person that you're about to couple with that you have said disease because it's essentially, you know, you could, they could die. So now there's a movement afoot because we have drugs and you can just live your life on a ventilator or whatever. Can you imagine you have a great quality of life living on antivirals and all that kind of stuff? I mean, my understanding, that's pretty rough medicine to take. Right. It's kind of like being on chemo. So now, anyway, there's a movement afoot to do away with that disclosure law. Um, if anybody's got that bad of an idea, I would imagine we should keep an eye on Chris Elliott. I imagine he'd, <laughs> he'd, he'd uh, put a, propose a bill like that. Um, the Attorney General for the uh, United States has launched the Presidential Commission on Law Enforcement. So there's a 12-member committee. And it's all these heavy hitters like the assistant director of the FBI, the director of Immigration and Customs Enforcement. And then you get on down to the bottom of the list. Guess who's on there? Who? The sheriff of Shelby County, Alabama. I'm just thinking, <laughs> what is he there for? He can't, uh, chances are he can't spell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, let me tell our listeners, I'm sorry, Rain's broke up on that. We're still having, you know, every now and then some technical difficulties in trying to get this together, and he contributes a lot, so we'll try to get that to where it doesn't break up. Uh, well, well once we get in our permanent location, yeah. I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, weren't there some, wasn't there some legislation in there where the Association of County commissions and the league of municipalities were raising hell yes so so let me tell you how screwed up your state is people because counties don't have home rule oh that that was on police jurisdiction it's on yeah correct chris elliott one more time the tax man has proposed that we do away with the extraterritorial police jurisdictions that municipalities can enjoy control over out, out you know, and, and, and it's really a planning jurisdiction too. They control subdivision regulations in that extraterritorial jurisdiction. But if you want to be short sighted, like some people around here, you can just look at it as, as a PJ and you can say, well, it's a terrible idea to collect taxes from people in the PJ and spend money on services like police and fire, and they don't get a vote. 
well, annex into the city. Um, so the League of Municipalities came out against this bill that Commissioner Elliott proposed. So why do you think there haven't? So there's 67 counties. Any idea how many how many municipalities we have? Oh, over 100, 150 yeah. probably. So they all have a coalition where they hire a lobbyist to who has an office and a whole staff up there in uh, in Montgomery, and it's their job to make sure that these jokers don't steal money or reappropriate money or reapportion money <coughs> that has been appropriated for the municipalities for their use. You know, that's the favorite thing for the legislature to do is steal money from the counties. Right. Oh, we'll just take some of their seven-cent money and we can put it over here Especially and, if you're in and deal with this Alabama. special project. So, um, anyway, that project in particular, the League of Municipalities came out uh, uh, swinging for the fences against, and that ought to tell you whether it's a good idea or not. And then, of course, our Constitution and the form of government that we have in Alabama, the fact that the county commissions don't have home rule, the Association of County Commissions also have a lobbying arm up in Montgomery. Um, they also they do all of these organizations were created for this purpose and then they kind of snowballed into other things. They have a self-insurance fund uh, for insurance purposes, that kind of thing. Um, and they also get legal advice. So if you, you know, if you're a, a mayor or whoever, you can call the league of municipalities and they'll give you some advice. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of the form of government that we have, and because anytime the county wants to do something, they have to go to Montgomery and beg off for a general law of local application. So it's a law that everybody in the state votes on, but it only affects this one county. So guess how they do that? If all of the senators and state representatives from Baldwin County agree to it, then everybody goes and pushes the button and agrees to it. So theoretically, one of these legislators can completely stop in its tracks anything that everybody in Baldwin County, including the county commission, thinks we should do and let me think of a good uh topic uh maybe regulating Baldwin county sewer service that might be a good example of uh, of just how and how this system gets used by people who understand it to make sure there is no regulation right right and Baldwin county sewer is the well Baldwin county is the only county that does not have any sewer regulations uh, so, you know, the county should step up and say, have a moratorium or something until this gets straight because, uh, they're blaming it on the legislature and, uh, the county commission could step up and say, okay, look, we're going to do this beforehand. All right. We're up against the clock update right. on the equal rights amendment. Virginia passed it and sent it on to whoever, I guess the department of archives and history would give a crap, but, uh, I, I doubt the, uh, the president of the Senate's going to ratify that thing anytime soon. Yeah. So there is a story, and it's on myNBC15.com. I expect I, I just want to point you guys in the in the direction of it. Apparently, somebody's dumping raw sewage here in Central Baldwin County. Um, we do have a video. They've oh, done. Let's, they've hey, done let's that. Play in the that past. thing. I forgot about that. Let's run it. Some people in Baldwin County say there's an unholy stench wafting through their neighborhood. Even worse, they're worried it could affect their drinking water. That stench is coming from biosolids, human waste sludge used as fertilizer, piled up on Fox Branch Road north of I-10. 
NBC 15's James Gordon spoke to neighbors and to county officials about the potentially dangerous issue. Neighbors complained to the county commission and right now the county's solid waste director, the district attorney's office and ADEM are looking into those complaints. What goes on here behind these gates? People who live here along Fox Branch Road north of I-10 don't like what they see and they really don't like what they smell. It'll burn your nose hairs. It, it's, I've wondered about it and as I keep seeing the trucks come in and out, I knew that something was going on that shouldn't have been going on on the land because this will affect my water well and that's where I'm concerned. The company that owns this property, Green South Solutions, has been hauling sewage sludge from local water treatment plants and dumping it here for two years now and it's legal. Right now the process is regulated by the EPA. That whole program is run out of, out of Kansas so when you're wanting something in Baldwin County, Alabama, it's just it's just harder to to get here. So if the state had a program in place, maybe you could you could keep a better eye on these things to make sure that that the envelope isn't being pushed. In the course of the last four months, there have been two public hearings with state environmental officials. Adam says it is listening, but there's been no solution or regulation coming from the state yet. As soon as the heat, you know, let down, if you will, from ADEM and their investigation was over and their people weren't standing here anymore, uh, the volume of trucks just skyrocketed and increased and, and it just got to a level where it's just unbearable to, a, to, a, to an average person. What neighbors need now are regulations at the state level. The regulations are put out. Um, you, you would have to register these sites. They would have to have operation plans. They would have to have, it's just going to be a little bit more um, maybe stringent than what it is right now, but they would be held more accountable. We contacted Green South Solutions, a company out of Florala, Alabama, and we have not heard back. In Baldwin County, James Gordon, NBC 15 News. And we're back. So it looks like the... Uh the county commission, the DA's office, and ADEM are all on top of this. So it'll this this problem uh, will be debated for 17 months and solved yeah. when this company decides it no longer wants to dump poo poo <clears throat> just on uh, on the ground out here. The South, this Green South Solutions, and this is this is an issue that comes and goes periodically too. Um, the one other thing I wanted to touch on real quick, AL.com came out with, well, they didn't come out with it. The, I guess the FBI did, uh, where Alabama lands on the list of, uh, I guess it's a, the, the statistic is violent crimes per hundred thousand people. And, uh, Alabama's number seven, not so great, right? Not so great. Um, okay, Paul, what's up to you? Um, uh, other articles in the uh, Lanyap, and uh, those of you that uh, want to see the advertisement, they, you know, we criticize uh, uh, the mobile paper. Now you get a section for a shoe station that'll bigger than the paper. So um, Lanyap's got a page for a shoe station too, <laughs> so, <laughs> so you can go there. Uh, <clears throat> also, <clears throat> pardon me. 
we had uh, three people. I thought this was weird. Three people from the Florabama area talking about how they wanted a Lanyap uh, box out there. So if you want a distribution point for Lanyap, call them up. Uh, another one of the articles in Lanyap, this was by John Mullen. It's uh, Burn, Badly Burns' campaign uh, to business, uh, uh, Baldwin Business Organization. This is Gumbo Stomp. Uh, in the March 3rd primary, uh, Bradley Byrne will face off against uh, Jeff Sessions, former Alabama, uh, <laughs> sorry, Auburn football coach Tommy Tomerville, and former Chief Justice Roy Moore. Alabama Secretary of State John Merrill dropped out of the race. Uh, Mr. Byrne has said that in his first five years in Congress, I really felt like we were doing a lot of good stuff and getting a lot of things done, he said. Even when President Barack Obama was there, some uh, someone who I disagree with a lot, I felt like we were getting a lot done, a lot done. And certainly the first two years of the President Trump's term, we got a lot done, a lot done. And then he goes on to say that what he is talking about, he is citing the tax reforms, relaxing of regulations on business and industry, improvements in national defense, and Trump's appointment to the conservative judges uh, to the federal courts. How much of that Bradley had a part in, I'm not sure. Uh, there's another article by Mr. Mulling, Evan the Tide, the workshop showcases new techniques to manage stormwater. I thought this was pretty interesting. Um, uh, Dr. Kevin White, uh, USA Campus, and what they did was uh, they were studying stormwater and taking the stormwater off of buildings and putting it into usable areas such as landscape areas and stuff like that. And he had such a warm reception to the original uh, uh, presentation he gave that he's come up with a workshop, and that workshop is now offered to cities and municipalities to study. Uh, all of them should attend and look at it. Uh, another article by uh, John Mullen, documentary film to feature the Gulf Shores Native American Canal. This is really interesting. I, I've heard about this and uh, read a little bit about it. It's a documentary about Native Americans in Alabama. I'm a, I'm a, I want to chime in on this because right. I don't think it has uh, anything to do with what they think it has to do with. Uh, <clears throat> I think they dug these canals so that mullet. I think it's a fish trap. It's a f sophisticated fish trap that they might have also used to float things along in. But the the size of it, it's not like the Erie Canal. Well, I know where you putting flatboats on it, moving well, stones or anything. Well, this is this is about. Uh, uh, a fort. I'm familiar with them. Yeah, I used to work down yeah, there. This is a Fort Morgan Peninsula, right. and the canal was first dug, when you think about it, 1,400 years ago. And the canal was dug from Oyster Bay uh, to form a half-mile-long connection with Little Lagoon and Gulf Shores. And it's about 30 feet wide and 6 feet to 8 feet deep. And uh, what they think it was used is exactly what you're saying for gathering food, or is some sort of trap? Maybe I think it's a, a fish trap. Yeah, maybe a, a tidal trap. But uh, one of the things that they found from the debris of the of research and archaeologists is how many Indians from different parts of the United States traverse through here. Uh, very, very interesting. I'm looking forward to the movie uh, coming out. So uh, keep that in mind. Uh, the next thing 
is the oversight overseas uh, whistleblower alleges fraudulent distribution of foreign aid. DOG disagrees by Jason Johnson. This is real interesting. After living in Central America as much as I did, uh, I can really relate to this. This is a, a lawsuit by uh, Murray Farmer and presiding U.S. District Judge Chrissy DeBoise's uh, uh, courtroom and former is a former employer of DRC Inc., a local company that performed work on behalf of the United States Agency for International Development (USAID) in Honduras after Hurricane Mitch struck there in 1998. That's how long this has been going on, and very very interesting article. Uh, uh, his allegations are pretty strong, but. Basically, what he is saying <clears throat> is that USAID took money. It Listen to how this is framed. USAID took money it owed to me, the contractor, and gave it to Honduras to fight my claims for payment. It's just the ultimate betrayal. They invited me to go overseas, let me do my job, didn't pay me, then gave my money that I earned that they agreed they owed me to a foreign country to fight my claim and avoid paying me. It's cannibalism. USAID are cannibals. And, you know, I can sympathize with it because I saw some of that firsthand, and it just makes you wonder if the, well, it doesn't make you wonder. You know, the, they don't, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing, you know. Um, Last but not least is uh, another article on um, the Beltway Beat. This was by Jeff Poor. Uh, Bradley Burns' best shot at uh, is uh, Robert Bentley. And <clears throat> this is another take on the um, competition coming up for that seat, for the Senate seat. And people should get a little bit more involved and see what's going on. Uh, uh, the name of the game in the uh, primary, uh, of course, is to survive, to compete in the runoff. Uh, in the runoff, it will be a completely different situation. So we're going to have to find out who makes a runoff and who doesn't make the runoff. Um, All right, we got one more thing we got to talk about before we get out of here uh, because it is uh, historical, right. and while we don't pay a whole lot of attention to national politics, I think we needed to give it some lip service so – uh, Donald J. Trump is being impeached or not being impeached yet. They're he, doing procedural. He uh, has been impeached. Well, he's been impeached by the House, but his That's impeachment him. trial happens in the Senate. Right. Chief Justice Roberts is sitting up there in his robe telling them, guys, remember where you are. Remember your decorum. Um, so I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this. In our society, typically, I'm not saying a man can't be a sex symbol, but typically women are sex symbols and men, and men are success symbols. Do you agree with that? Mm. Like, you see Jeff Bezos with some supermodel. Right. You go, what in the, you know, if you didn't know who the guy was, you'd think, what, you know, this this woman obviously has macular degeneration, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> So where does Trump fall into this spectrum? Well, he's the ultimate success symbol, right? No, Do you agree? No, you're on your own on this one. Uh, he's the ultimate <laughs> success symbol. No, and I'm not saying women can't be success symbols or men can't be sex symbols. But what trumps all of that? 
and I hate to use that word, but there's no other word for it. Whatever comes, all of that. Celebrity. It doesn't matter what you, right? Right, right. It doesn't matter what you do. If you have celebrity, how long did it take them to put, oh, uh, Puddin' Pop, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bill, uh, the comedian, Bill Cosby. Right. How long did it take them to put him in jail? He'd been Mickey and women for 35, 40 years. Um, that's what I'm saying. He's the ultimate success symbol. He's got game show host celebrity. The reason that we have Trump is because of the Democrats. Barack Obama gets elected, says he's going to get us out of all these wars. What's he do? Doesn't get us out of any of these wars. Um, so, yeah. So, we got so so everybody said we're tired of being lied to by all sides. We're going we're gonna to send this egomaniac up there and let him bear in the closet all you sons of bitches for four years. Maybe we're going to do it for eight, but we're tired of being lied to all the way around. And that's from both parties. Oh well, uh, well. So, did you read the Pentagon? The so you know how they they did Pentagon Papers, an internal review of what happened in Vietnam. Did you know that they did one for Afghanistan? <clears throat> I have not. So, read guess that what one. comes out in that? Nancy Pelosi was briefed on our waterboarding interrogations. That's why nothing ever came of that. Hell, the Democrats were informed. So. It, it's it's all of our faults. It's you know whether or not this you know did he do something wrong? Probably, most definitely. But the idea that the Democrats are going to sit there and say that Hunter Biden is just some innocent bystander, that the Bidens aren't just as corrupt as anybody who's ever been in office. Um, you know the idea that uh, he gets this. What was it? 17 grand a month, something like that. Some crazy amount of money to serve on a board that he has no expertise in other than his father's vice president. And of course this happened in a foreign country on foreign soil. There's no recourse legally, but we're tired of being lied to by all sides, including the Democrats, right? Especially the Democrats and, who try, who try to take the high ground and it's just like fingernails on a chalkboard. It's everybody's sick of it. Uh, everybody's sick of it. But let me let me say one thing, Harry, that I want our listeners to listen to is that uh, uh, you'll notice we don't speak that much about national politics. We're trying to focus on local politics. You Alabama. can't tell, but Paul has an earring. Uh, <laughs> but we're 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 trying to talk about local politics because if you get into national politics, we lose a lot of our audience. Not that we favor either party or whatnot, but it's just a better uh, principle for going for this. But you know, you're welcome to speak your own mind on different things. But if you do think, well, why don't they talk about national politics more? Is because if we do, that's all we'll be talking about. Right. We, we try to stay away from that. We try to stay focused on things going on around here that we can have real impacts on. Right. So do, do we have that image of the of Mobile Bay with the muddy water? Did you snag that? So one last thing. Uh, there's an AL.com, AL.com article. Uh, posted January 23rd that said Trump aims to remove waterway protections aiding developers. And I guess this has to do with the best management practices. Um, anyway, it, the the important thing to go look at is this NASA aerial photograph that shows all the turbidity in Mobile Bay um, back in the 1970s when there were no regulations about 
silt fences and hay bales and best management practices and trying to protect the waterways from runoff. So go check that out, Paul. You got anything else? I got to get to work. The other, you know, just something relative to that is that we talk about, uh, you know, storm water and all these water conditions. We make our, we make a good bit of money around here on tourism. Everything is water surrounding us. We have the five rivers, but yet we got that coal ash pond sitting up there threatening us and at the whole time and if that pond goes i can assure you it'll be worse than bp and at the whole time we have uh alabama power telling us oh everything's cool don't worry about it we know but we know better than every other state in the united states so can you get a close-up on me nick (laughs) so uh so every once in a while i get a really nice christmas gift that i like to re-gift to my friends this is the Trump hat, uh, the Trump sock. And uh, so what you do is you put these socks on, and it has Trump hair, and it even comes with a little comb. So you can do that's, his hair ever like that. And there's a little Trump pocket. Something, yeah, there's Trump socks. Oh. I so anyway, that's that's your Christmas re-gift, Paul. Yeah, okay. Uh, and since we don't have sponsors, I decided to talk about some things that I like. Warlord Beard Oil, made in... Uh, Mobile, Alabama. Has beard has oil? Beard oil. Can you drink it? No, you can't drink it. <laughs> and you don't want to use much of it because it's pretty stinky. But, you know, you don't want to be one of those Axe body spray guys. This is a nice, subtle scent, and it, it doubles as a as a, a lubricant. want to do business for local. Or tamer members. for these da- this dang beard that they won't let me get rid of. So, you might have been wondering why there are two knives sitting out on the table. The knife on your left, it was the finest knife made in the world for 20 years. It's a Benchmade 940 carbon fiber handle. So what's changed around here? Well, the finest knife in the world is now made in China because they can pay a guy to sit there on a CMC machine for about 15 hours and make this knife right here. So, um, the you know, just, just another example of how um, NAFTA and international trade has just sucked this country dry. Ross of, Perot. Of, of, uh, well, he was right. Uh, and that's another thing. <clears throat> I, I forgot to throw that in there on the Democrats. Um, NAFTA and the repeal of the, of the Glass-Steagall Act. Um, and, of course, both of those were done under President Clinton, and he will forever have that albatross hung around his neck. Um couple more things i have a couple of books that i would recommend for you guys to take a look at that's my original boy scout handbook um dr mason wrote the bottom book it's called uh five dollars a scalp and it is a fictional historical fiction uh he was a professor over at usa for many years and uh i I have a signed copy of that and then of course the history of baldwin county uh i think uh since we're accused of being in cahoots, I should tell people that I bought that at the mayor of Fairhope's uh, bookstore. <laughs> that should that should get some people talking. That'll get your point. Yeah. <clears throat> well, anyway, boys and girls, unless Paul has something else, I think this is it for today. We hope y'all learned something and had a good time. And we'll be back for number 20. Oh, wait. I got one more thing. I bet. I got a little sound bite for you guys. See if you recognize it had time to deal with these people and meet these people and talk to these people yet we've treated them poorly which i think is i find offensive and i take personally 
had time to deal with these people and meet these people and talk to these people you get it? that we've treated them poorly, which I think is I find offensive and I take personally. Guess who that is? Well, I take it personally too. That's the straw man. That's the straw man. After he fired everybody in the yeah, in that's the county that's, the, that's the day he was uh, he'd fired everybody in 2010. Right. All right. We well, all have a good weekend. Um, Paul and I have been busy. We have been to. Um, let's see, I was in Spanish Fort Municipal Court last night, saw the magistrate that was allegedly the victim of assault by the mayor of Spanish Fort. That still hadn't gone to trial. Paul went to the Eastern Shore MPO meeting the other day to hear the proposal about the new bridge. We both went to the Republican Forum for uh, Alabama uh, Congress Place 1, and uh, I hand-delivered that dang anonymous letter to the district attorney's office on Wednesday. So... We've been beating the bushes. I'm pretty wore out. I'm looking forward to the weekend. And uh, just one more reminder, this weekend is the Senior Bowl over in Mobile. All of the top uh, athletes, college athletes from around the country either play on the North or South team, and that is tomorrow. Do you know what time, Nick? Mid-afternoon is all, is all I remember. Uh, and, I, you know, I usually get tickets and get the little free pass things uh, over at the Alabama Power Company. They have a little substation there, a little, little workshop, and they put it. I don't think I'm going to get an invite this year. <laughs> Go figure. So I, I have to take my own folding chair if I want to tailgate. So. Right. Anyway, I hope you guys have a good weekend, and we'll see you next time. Adios. How long, Nick?